we are continuing our message series called Gods at War. And before we dive into that fully, I wanted to talk to you about uh, a couple tools that we have that help us to address some of these. We talk about gods at war, we're talking about idols. We're talking about things in our lives that, that draw us away from the Lord. That when we put these things in a place where only God belongs, that then these things cause challenges for us. And you might say, well, time out. I, I don't know that I really have a problem with idols, right? I mean, like, I don't worship Buddha or, like, any weird thing that people buy at flea markets, you know? Like, I'm not into that kind of, that's just, no, that's weird, right? I, I don't do that stuff, no. Idolatry is not that so much as it's taking something, maybe even a good thing, but elevating it to a place where really only the Lord should be. Elevating a place in our heart that really should be reserved for God. And if that's something that, that you're struggling with, or maybe you don't even know that you're struggling with, my prayer is that in this series, that God would open your heart and your mind, that he would do that for all of us, because I think this is something we all wrestle with from time to time. And that maybe if God does that, that, that you'd be willing to try um, a, a couple things we have. One is a class called Break Free. We talked about it earlier in the service. Um, another is something called Inner Healing Prayer. Both of these are powerful tools that we have here at Anderson Hills that God uses to break through strongholds in our life. A stronghold is something where we've kind of give Satan a foothold, like we've given him a, a point of entry, if you will, into our lives. And a stronghold is a dangerous thing because it kind of seeps in. We don't necessarily realize it. We don't see it. We get used to it. It just becomes comfy and cozy for us. Strongholds are the result of us believing some of Satan's lies. Sometimes they're negative things. Like you might say, you know, you're not good enough. You, you've messed up too many things. God can't use you. You're, you're not really worthy of God's love or anybody else's love. These, these negative, nasty things. And maybe you have some of those going on in your life today. God wants to set you free from that. Or sometimes these lies are, are the other side. They're more things that, that kind of play into our ego. Lies like, you don't really need that stuff. That's where the people were really messed up, right? Like, you're really pretty good when you think about it. You, you, don't, need, you don't need somebody to pray for you. You don't, you don't really have these things to break free from. That's for the really bad people, right? Which clearly is not you. We can believe these kind of lies because the fact is we all need prayer. We all need the Lord to work in our hearts. We all have areas in which we struggle with these things. And so the point of this is not all just to say try harder because that doesn't work. The point of it is to give ourselves to the Lord in prayer, to ask that the Holy Spirit would do a powerful work in and through us. I want to introduce to you now via video Steve Paling. Uh, Steve is one of our leaders in this area, and God is working through his ministry a lot to change lives. I've seen it personally. It's incredible how God is working. And Steve is going to talk to us a little bit about, about these ministries because our idols cause separation between us and God. And I believe that we can be brought closer to God through inner healing prayer and break free. Let's check this out. Today, we are talking about things that separate us from God. Well, let me tee this question up a little bit for you by giving you the Reader's Digest of the story of Jonah. 
I know that you are familiar with that story. And throughout the story, Jonah finds himself in one of three places. He's either running from God, he's stuck in the whale, or he's running to Nineveh. He's running to God. Can you relate to that story? Are you in one of those three places today? I have seen many people break free from strongholds due to the power of inner healing prayer. And I wanted to share a couple of my experiences with you today. The first is about a 40-year-old man who had spent his entire life in fear. And as a result of this fear, it had caused addictions to illegal substances and alcoholism. That led to incarceration and doing terrible things to find the finances to get the next fixed. The result was his life was totally destroyed. He had uh, destroyed every relationship he'd ever known, all the people he had ever cared about, and he was at a point in his life where he knew that he couldn't do this any longer. He decided to turn to the power of inner healing prayer. During this prayer, God took him back to a, an event in his life where this fear had kicked in. Interestingly, it was when he was about two and a half years old in a high chair and his mother was preparing food for him. And as a child does, he was flailing his arms a little bit and he caught the handle of a boiling pan of water and this water fell over and scolded him. And at that moment, he realized he wasn't protected. He wasn't protected by his mother. He wasn't protected by anyone. And he lived his lie with this reality that he wasn't protected that led to all of this substance abuse. Jesus, in that moment, revealed to him that he was there the entire time. And he worked through his mother to administer healing medication, putting ice on the wound so that there were no permanent scars. This man realized that he had been believing a lie. The truth was Jesus was with him all the time, even from the time he was born and he had been protected. At that moment, the chains of bondage of living from the stronghold of fear fell off him and he went on to live a productive, healthy life, restoring those relationships. The other example I want to give to you is a man who grew up believing his father didn't love him. He grew up suffering from a broken heart and it brought him to the point in his life, in his mid-40s, where he was getting ready for open-heart surgery. His ribs would have been cracked open, major incisions, long recovery time. Before this procedure, he decided that he would turn to God and turn to the power of inner healing prayer. And during that prayer, God revealed to him that his father was always there for him at every ball game, at every event, always giving him advice and guidance. And in that moment, he realized that his biological father had expressed love through action. His father loved him unconditionally. In that moment, he broke free from the bondage of believing he hadn't been loved. The very next day, he called the hospital and said, I want a second opinion. He got that second opinion and he was told he didn't need major open heart surgery. All he needed was a somewhat non-invasive procedure. And to this day, he is physically fit. And more importantly, he is emotionally healed and living in freedom. For me, there is nothing more exciting in life than to witness the transformational power of the Holy Spirit as he delivers someone from a stronghold. 2 Corinthians 10.4, the weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. 
On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. This says Jesus is in the demolition business. He is at war against the enemy's strongholds by giving us the spiritual authority to break free. If you were looking to break free from being stuck in a whale, I suggest you consider <laughs> taking the break free class. It may just have you running to Nineveh. Amen. Amen. I believe in that. And, and of course, to be clear, we are all for medical doctors. We're all for counselors. God uses all sorts of ways to bring healing. But we're also for the power of prayer. We believe very strongly that God uses prayer, that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God heals, God breaks us free from strongholds, he sets us free from strongholds, he breaks things that have been sometimes in our life for years, even decades. God wants you to be free. Now, a couple stats, because I like stats. Since we started this in 2019, we've had about 145 people go through uh, Break Free, which is awesome, that's a whole bunch of people. We've had 80 people experience inner healing prayer also very awesome and transformative we've seen how it has how it is transforming our church as more and more people experience healing and being able to break free in these ways i want to speak for just a moment though to the guys in the room uh, this is something that sometimes we tend to think we don't need we can be a bit on the arrogant side that ah that's for you know that's for other people i don't have time for that i'm blah 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 well we're kind of statistically here i told you 145 had taken the class 22 of those are guys so not a lot that's about 15 percent and of the 80 inner healing prayer sessions we've had four guys five percent now we might say oh yeah that's because we don't have any problems <laughs> it probably reveals we have the deepest problem of denial. Pretending that this isn't a thing for us, because it is, it is. What if we had the courage, and I mean that, courage, what if we had the courage to surrender ourselves to the Lord's will and to find some healing? I believe it would touch our lives, it would touch our families. Maybe God is calling you to do that, male or female. Well, friends, today we're talking about the God of love, the idol, if you will, of love. And I know you're probably like, well, time out. I, I got I to gotta throw a challenge flag on this one, right? I mean, the Bible says God is love, for crying out loud. Is this really a thing? Like, how, how can we possibly say that there's some God of love that could compete with the Lord? Well, the problem is this. Sometimes we allow our love for other people to be the central driving force in our lives. We take a person, a relationship, or maybe a couple of people or a group of people, and we elevate them to a place where only God should be. Hear me, friends, when your love for someone is greater than your love for God, that person has become an idol. Okay, when your love for any person has become greater than your love for God, that person has become an idol. God's love should be the foundational love, the central love in all of our lives. Let me explain. Foundation in, in any, you don't have to be a structural engineer to, uh, to know how important a foundation is, right? We're sitting in this building today because it was built in what, 1990s on a solid foundation. If not, it wouldn't still be standing here. If you doubt the importance of a foundation, just ask the folks who constructed the Harmon Tower in Las Vegas. 
This is a $275 million luxury hotel right on the Vegas Strip, and it's beautiful. But the fact is, none of you have stayed there before. I know that because nobody ever stayed there. Zero people ever stayed in this hotel. It was constructed for $275 million, and before housing any guests, it was demolished for a cost of $173 million. Think about that, $450 million. Why on earth? What happened? Well, there were some serious mistakes made, some corners cut, when the foundation was being poured, the, the rebar was not properly installed. That's the, the metal that goes inside the concrete to provide support and to tie it in to other parts of the building. This is a healthy skyscraper foundation. You see those things that look like ants? Those are humans down there, right? And they're standing on a steel structure that when the concrete is poured into that, it makes a healthy, strong foundation. Well, at the Harmon Tower, when they cut these corners, the building was doomed. It was doomed because it could never survive an earthquake. And when inspectors figured this out, the building had to be demolished. What a waste. What a tragedy. And also, not too dissimilar from us. If we are trying to build our lives on the foundation of our love for another person, we're just like that building. For we are trying to put onto that person or that relationship a weight that it was never ever intended to bear. We'll talk about a couple types of relationships. I'm gonna talk in particular about romantic ones, but the fact is, that's just an illustration. These truths plug into a relationship um, with kids or parents, uh, relationship with coworkers, relationship with really anybody else. So, but romantic love's an easy one to talk about because we love to talk about it, right? I mean, how many movies, songs, books, etc., is romantic love the theme? It's quite a common one. In fact, I read that Harlequin, the leading producer of romance novels, they sell four every single second. Every second. That's amazing, right? I've still read zero, so I'm happy with that streak. But that's just me. If you read them, whatever. But, but we love romance stories. We do, right? We love romantic love. In fact, if, if you've watched some uh, romance movies that are a little bit older, you're probably familiar with this scene right here. Let's see how Jerry says it. I love you. You? There's nothing wrong with stories like that, of course. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't mean to pick on movies, but there is a fallacy in that thinking. The idea that any human being could somehow complete you 
It's not true. And sorry to all of you guys who this is like, you know, your big line, right? I don't mean to like blow this up for you, but come on, man. I mean, like, really? Like, do you really think that there's somebody else that can complete, can, can fix all the flaws, shortcomings, and struggles? If you believe that, you don't know yourself very well. Trust me, there's nobody who can complete all of these problems, right? That's not up to any human. And I have an amazing wife. I love her with all my heart, let me tell you. But she can't complete all the shortcomings of this one. No human being was ever or is ever equipped to do that. It's just simply not possible. That's not what that kind of love is intended to be. You see, inside of every single one of us, there is a God-shaped vacuum or hole. There's a, a need for the Lord, a need for this foundational love for the Lord. And that, when we try to, to plug that hole with any other kind of relationship, romantic or not, it falls short. Because those loves that were not built to bear that kind of weight, they don't have the foundational strength to bear that kind of weight. If, if there were a Jerry Maguire too, not suggesting it by the way, but if there were, I wonder if that thought process would still be holding them decades later. The idea that you have to complete me, that you are going to somehow fulfill and, and like make whole all the gaps within me. I don't think it works that way. And you know, this, this also, it really tells, uh, I think, a, a damaging lie too, to, to folks who are single, right? Because it implies that if you don't have somebody like that, you can't really be complete or whole. Nonsense. It's nonsense. I, I'm all for romantic relationships. Don't get me wrong. I'm not down on this. But, but if God calls you to be single, thank God. That's not a bad thing. You're not somehow incomplete as a result of that. For all of us, we find our ultimate love, our ultimate fulfillment in the Lord. For every single person, married, dating, single, doesn't matter. That's where we're all to find this kind of thing. So we, why do we do this? Why do we elevate romantic love to such a high place? Well, remember, I'll, I'll stick with my 1990s theme for today. Remember that there's a song uh, by a guy named Meatloaf in the 1990s. I, I don't think that was his mom's given name, by the way, but whatever. Meatloaf sang, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. And what was that? He never said it, right? If you remember the old Dr. Pepper commercial, you know the line, it was when she reached for the Dr. Pepper, right? Like, that was it, we're done, right? He did all these other crazy things, but we can't do that, right? But, but w w I won't take out the trash, or I, I won't let your mother-in-law come over, all the, or my mother-in-law come over all the time, or I won't put up with your 13 cats, or where's the line here, right? It's undefined. It's undefined. I would do anything for love, but, well... Romantic love has its limits. But he raises a good question. Would you? Would you do anything for romantic love? Because if so, that's an idol. That's something that's sitting in the place where only God should sit. 
And it's interesting when you look at this stuff from a kind of scientific standpoint. I was reading about something called limerence. This is like this, what overcomes us when we meet somebody that we're really romantically attracted to. And they've studied kind of what happens in the brain. And, and there's a couple key things that, that happens at that time. We, we get this kind of obsessive feeling. And the first thing that happens is it increases dopamine, which is like the pleasure chemical, right? So everything just feels better, right? Everything looks better. Oh, everything's brighter and cheerier and all this stuff, right? Because we've got this new person we're so excited about. And we're just like, Lift it up. We've got a new spring in our step and all this stuff, right? That's some increase from dopamine there. But it does another thing. It decreases serotonin, which is what helps us make good decisions. <laughs> you see the potential for problem here, right? Like, oh, I feel great, and I don't need to be too critical about my decisions in these moments. Now, again, this isn't all bad. This is the kind of stuff that helps us to fall in love, right? Because whenever you fall in love, yeah, you are overlooking some things because you're falling in love with another human, right? And so these are, but, but the thing is, we can easily get so kind of addicted to this kind of stuff that we can miss out on the shortcomings. We can miss out on the flaws of this. And we can put this other person on such a pedestal, such a pedestal that they weren't meant to sit upon or be upon. We can expect things out of our, whether it's our marriage, whether it's our kids, whether it's our parents, we can have expectations, maybe not even known or communicated expectations, that are just flat out unrealistic. Because the fact is, we're trying to be completed by them. God didn't make them for that. Friend, when we put a person in God's place, we ask them to do things that only God can do. Nobody's equipped for that. Nobody is. So what is the foundational love in your life? If the foundation is romance or something else like that, it's going to come crashing down when you have problems in that relationship. And trust me, you will. You're two people. It'll happen. It happens. If that's foundational, you're putting a strain on that that it's not meant to have. At best, you'll have a good earthly relationship, but you'll miss out on some incredible things that the Lord has for you. And hear me, I'm all in favor of, of these kind of ro romantic relationships, but what, what is the central love in your life? What is the central love in your life? I spent a fair amount of time on that, but Jesus talks about another one. He talks about relationships with immediate or extended family, and he's talking about the importance of these, and his words, they might surprise you. Luke 14, if you want to be my disciple, Jesus says, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father, your mother, wife, and children brothers and sisters, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Oh, man. Jesus, what are you doing here? Did we forget this God of love? This, this is, we talk about hate speech. This, you literally, are you saying to hate? That doesn't seem congruent at all. Well, this translation, I think, says it very well. It's key to understand this is by comparison, okay? Jesus is 
making an extreme statement to show that by comparison, your love for God should be this incredible, this transformative, that everything else, it's a long ways away. In other words, your love for God, it should be our first love, and there's no close second place. There's no close second place. Now, how do you accomplish this? Because you might be sitting here and be like, I am not down with this sermon, okay? You're telling me I can't love my spouse as much, my kids as much. My no, that's actually not it at all. You see, friends, I've got great news for you. You were created by God with an unlimited capacity for love. An unlimited capacity. If, if you have kids, you know what I mean. Like, if you went from one kid to two kids, did you look at kid number one and say, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to reduce my love for you by about 50%, so I've got more love for that one? Nope. <laughs> and that's true if it was one, two, ten, whatever, right? You have an unlimited capacity for love. You don't have unlimited time. You don't have unlimited uh, um, energy. You probably don't have unlimited money. But you have an unlimited capacity for love. The point of this is not to love anybody any less. The point is to love God more. Because the fact is, when I'm loving God more, I actually love everybody else better. When I love God more, you're going to see more of the fruits of the Spirit in my life. You see more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Am I going to be a better husband with those things? Oh, yeah. Am I going to be a better dad? I sure hope so. Am I going to be a better pastor? Am I going to be a better friend? Yes. When I elevate my love for God, I actually love everybody else more. The problem comes in when I reduce my love for God and I try I try to make my love for others take its place. When I put all my attention on them instead of seeking the Lord. When I, when I move the things of the Lord down the priority list because I'm so obsessed with doing other th things for other people that I get how important that love for the Lord must be. When I do that, that's where the problems come in. Sometimes our love for others, it may even cause us to compromise. Who do you compromise your values for? Is there a friendship or a relationship where you say, honestly, we're, we're not iron sharpening iron like Proverbs is talking about. We're, we're kind of the opposite. That's not what God's calling us to. We've got to change that. Because my friends, at the, at the end of the day, the gods of love fail to replace the love of God every time. If you elevate other relationships to the place where only God should be, they will always fail. They will always fail to replace that love. It's just not possible. In Ezekiel 16, God gives us this incredible parable, and it's a very, it's very striking what God says here. He's talking about Israel, but we could just as easily apply it to us because it's talking about God's people who sin and, and go their own way. And in this parable, God compares Israel to a, a baby, a baby that is abandoned out in a field. And God comes along and God finds 
this, this baby Israel abandoned there, and God takes Israel, and God a- adopts her, and God makes her his own child, and God, God raises her. And so she goes from where, where she would have been dead to now having life, and life with the most incredible family. And then God, God kind of shifts the metaphor, because again, this is not literal, this is a parable, and it's ex- an extreme parable to help us understand our relationship with God. And so God says that then he marries Israel, and God is like the ultimate spouse here. God gives Israel a great home. God dresses Israel in beautiful clothes, gives her fine jewelry. All these, every need is provided for. She has everything she could ever ask for or imagine. But she doesn't understand how good it is. Instead, instead she goes her own way. And, and the Bible says it this way in Ezekiel chapter 16. This is what the sovereign Lord says, I'll give you what you deserve, for you've taken your solemn vows very lightly by breaking your covenant. And what he's referring to here is that earlier in the story, Israel had prostituted herself. Her husband gave her everything she could ever want, yet she leaves them to go out to find relationships with other men. And it says that not only did she do this, she didn't receive payment from them, she paid them. It's the ultimate insult. Why would she do this? Why would she do this to the God, the one who loves her so very, very much? It's an atrocious picture of sin when you think about it, mine and yours. That God has loved us so much and yet we have gone our own way, we have gone astray, we've tried to do it on our own. But look at what God does, verse 60. Yet I will remember the covenant I made with you when you were young, and I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. You will remember your sins and cover your mouth in silent shame when I forgive you of all that you have done. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Forgiveness. Can you imagine yourself in God's place? at that time. This one who you had done every good thing for, you had shown love in every possible way, and yet time and time again, you were hurt, mistreated. That's, that's us. That's how we treat the Lord sometimes. When we put every other idol, every other thing in his place, that's what we look like. So as the band comes forward now, I want to invite you to this table because this table is where we get to participate in the incredible love of God. That just like Israel, that God offers us forgiveness. That God offers us grace. That God offers us a love that is undeserved. 
Because friend, you and I were the ones who were in that field. The Bible says we were dead in our sins. We couldn't find the Lord on our own and yet he found us. We couldn't pay the price for our sins. It was too much for us. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's through this, it's through his sacrifice, it's through the fact that his body was broken so that mine and yours could be healed. Body, mind, and spirit. It's through that kind of love that we can live. It's foundational to us. Nobody else offers this. Nobody else gives this. Nobody else gave their life to pay the price for your sins. Jesus gave his body, his blood, so that you and I could be forgiven. This is the body, the blood of Christ shed for you. It's a gift, freely given, not deserved, so that we can have life and life to the fullest. Thank you, God, for these gifts of bread and juice. Would you pour out your Holy Spirit on them and on us as we receive them? Lord, by the power of your Spirit, would you make these gifts the body, the blood of Christ? Would you strengthen us through this meal that when we go out from this place that we can be one, one with you, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until you come back, Jesus. Would you pour out your spirit on us as we receive these gifts, as we participate in this? For you are so good, Lord. We love you, God. We love you. We want you to be number one. I'm sorry for the times where we put you in any other position in our lives. Forgive us. Heal us make us whole. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.